if you would, turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 9. And I know you're probably looking at your watch going, we have reservations for Mother's Day. If you mess this up, you're toast, and I'm not coming back to CBF. <laughs> so... I knew that uh, we would run a little over and uh, I am giving you a sermonette today. And you know, this uh, the sermon series was laid out for a whole year. It's all the way through April of 2022. And this text just happened to fall this morning. It's in Luke chapter 9 verse 23. As you turn there, Luke 9 23, it's so fitting because Luke, up until the end of chapter 9, he's answering these two questions. Who is Jesus and what does it mean to follow him? And Peter's given his confession in 9, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And way to go, Peter. And on the tail end of that, Jesus gives this statement. And it's in all three, the synoptic, the gospel seen together, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Starting in Luke 9, 23. Jesus said to them all, if anyone wants to become my follower, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it benefit a person if he gains the whole world, but loses or forfeits himself? Father, we come to the text this morning. Thank you for the powerful testimonies that we've heard, the, the songs that we have sung, the scripture that has been recited. And now as we look at really what this all means, and that is what does it mean to follow hard after you, just guide us as we look at, briefly at this text. In Jesus' name, amen. The theme of discipleship is very well developed in the Gospel of Mark and Matthew. It's not as much in the Gospel of Luke, which might surprise you. However, when it comes to the Gospel of Luke, the area of discipleship is more radically expressed, writes one scholar, more consistently sustained than any of the other Gospels in the New Testament. You get to this radical statement, and yes, it's in other Gospels, but Luke will come back to this in chapter 14, which we'll hammer out again. But in your notes there, I have, I think, a call for total commitment. And it involves three things. The first of these is a, a change in the attitude. Notice he says, to deny oneself. To deny oneself, I wrote first, is to understand my role, my role in relationship to the Lord. It's a holy, selfless manner that's being talked about. One scholar writes, it is not the denial of something to the self, but the denial of self itself <laughs> that we're looking at. It, it doesn't mean that uh, we strip ourselves of our personality or strip ourselves of the pleasantries of life. No, 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 that's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is, is dying to self, removing self-centeredness and self-absorption. It's a sure cure for narcissism <laughs> is the idea that's being brought here. You know, Luther, uh, Martin Luther made this statement. He said, man is by nature unable to want God to be God. Indeed, he himself wants to be God and does not want God to be God. And Jesus said, if you're going to follow after me, first thing you need to do is deny self. And again, what does that entail? 
self-centeredness has got to be stripped away as long as as well as self-absorption self-preservation rather than clinging it's relinquishing you could also argue it's a release of our future our dreams our hopes and our plans as we turn to the Lord and allow him to direct our plans our futures our dreams when you think about it, it's what the Lord taught his disciples to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, right? It, it, it's your will that I seek to have done here on earth. You can't do that if you're vying for position. You must deny yourself. It's slaying the today's mantra that whatever feels right to you, do it. <laughs> I mean, think about man-made philosophies. Ultimately, they're attempting to strip God of responsibility or my responsibility to God and allowing me to, to live life as I want, right? I mean, think of post-modernity. This, this, uh, that which has plagued even evangelicalism is arguing that ultimate truth cannot be known and that ultimately it's what we determine. And that's not what the Lord says. If you want to follow me, you've, you've got to deny yourself. We're not vying for an option here. Randall Zockman states, Our self-love is the drying, driving engine of our ambition, our arrogance, and it leads us to the meaning of our lives in power, wealth, and honor. So deny oneself is to understand my role, but I would argue it's also denying ourselves is to understand the Lord's role in relationship to my life. What do I mean by that? Well, first, refusal to deny oneself is to miss God's restoration in your life, in your life, and in, in our souls. I mean, think about it. The essence of saving trust in God is self-denial, isn't it? It's a recognition that, that we must be saved and, and that we can't do this on our own. You heard that from the 13 testimonies. There's nothing I bring to this table here. So what? You had Christian parents. So what? You've grown in the church. So what? Your, your parents give X amount of dollars to nonprofit organizations. None of that's going to save. It's great you have wonderful parents like that or a household you grew up in. But the refusal to deny self is to miss God's role in our saving faith. Secondly, the refusal to deny self is to disregard, I would argue, the lordship of Christ in our lives. Allowing him to lead are you playing a tug of war with God? That doesn't work. I hate to tell you, he will win. <laughs> One way or another. Refusal to deny self is to discredit what God is doing for us and what he will do. Refusal to deny self is to forfeit the work of Christ in our lives, to allow him to work and allow him to bless. And finally, I would argue, refusal to deny self is to lack gratitude towards the Lord right no I, Lord I thank you but let me do this that's not true gratitude when one diets and watching those pictures I think one should here but oh well they deny themselves certain foods don't they you know the food it's usually the the foods we all crave candy sugar candy ice cream and candy uh, those things you have to give up and in order to gain something 
you have to, to, to forfeit. Denying oneself, I would argue, <laughs> you will gain far more than you could ever imagine. And Jesus said, you want to follow after me? You, you got to deny self. The first thing in this equation of what it means to be totally committed. But then he states, look at the text. If you want to be my follower, deny yourself. Take up your cross. You got to suffer. This is what Peter and the disciples, I would argue, are missing at this point in the equation. Where Luke 9, Peter gives this great confession. You are the Christ. Yay! When we get to the transfiguration, which is the next thing we'll look at next week, and you see Christ in his all his glory, what does Peter want to do? He wants to build three tents that's, that set up shop. This is it. Your kingdom's here. And God says, oh, Peter, keep your mouth quiet. Halt the clapper. Right? You've missed it. That I'm going to the cross, and, and those who want to come after me, they too must suffer. The idea of taking up a cross is that cross beam, that 75 to 125 pound beam that you would carry. And for a Roman crucifixion, think about this, it's first, a person is finally having to bow to the state, to Rome. Up until this point, they've been rebellious. And now, they come under the oppression of Rome. And they will acquiesce. <laughs> they are going to pay dearly. Taking up your cross also indicates that your punishment is just. This is what you deserve. It's a public example. And taking up your cross is one of humility. As you are stripped of all dignity as you go to your capital punishment, to your death. So the cross symbolizes suffering. It, it, it sim and throughout the New Testament, it's a, a sign of obedience. Romans 5.19, for as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, referring to Adam. But then Paul says, by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. In Philippians 2, Paul also highlights this aspect that the cross is what brings or demonstrates the obedience that was needed. And Paul says, or Luke says here, quoting Jesus, if you want to follow after the Lord, you got to deny yourself and you got to take up a cross. You got to identify with him. Philippians 3, 10, that I may know him, the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. No one said Christianity is easy. You young people are going to learn that if you haven't already. Some of you are as you are taking stands in school, etc. And those of you who are grown know full well. Jesus made it very clear. You want to follow me, you will suffer. You will to identify with me. And I love what Tozer, a pastor from the 1900 state, we must do something about the cross. And one of the, there's only two things we can do. We can flee it or we can die upon it. Jesus is very clear in Luke chapter 9. He says, listen, you disciples. I've t we've, we've seen who I am. You've seen what does it mean to follow. But let me make it very clear. If you want to be a follower of Jesus, you better deny yourself. It is not about you. And secondly, I got news for you. You'll need to take up a cross. And notice what he says daily. It's ongoing. This isn't a one-time event. And he's not done there. 
He says, and then you will follow me. It's interesting in the Greek, denying and taking up your cross are errors or like a one-time event. The follow is imperative or an indicative or a, yeah, it's imperfect. It's ongoing. It's saying you will follow after me. Think about Jesus when we had that encounter in Luke chapter 5 and the disciples said, we'll follow you. He said, I want to make you fishers of men. The text says they left everything and they followed. Or Matthew, the tax collector in Luke chapter 5, it says he left everything, denying himself, and he followed after him. They model what Jesus is calling for those who want to be Christ followers. This is what it entails. And then he gives three rationales for why you would do this. Verse 24, he says, for whoever wants to save his life will lose it. Your bank's going to go belly up if you're banking on this life. You know, there are a lot of advice on how to extend your life. Elizabeth Sullivan, who lived to be 104, said, I drink three Dr. Peppers a day. The sugar keeps me alive. I like her motto. I like Susanna Jones. She said, eat lots of bacon. She lived to 116. She says, bacon makes everything better. Well, you could go on. There's all this advice on, on how to live long. At the end of the day, you're going to croak. You, you can't save your life. It's not going to work. And the irony is, the one who can save you is calling for you to follow after him, isn't he? He says, follow after me. Not only will the defunct savings account not work, but it gives you another reason. And he says, for what it, does it benefit a person if he gains the whole world? <laughs> well, I mean, think about where the world places emphasis You know it from the questions they ask. What team does your child play on? What university does your child attend? How many degrees do you have? What is your job? Where do you live? Where do you vacation? Where do you shop? It's all about things that this world might provide for us. And ultimately, they mean nothing. Think about your conversations this past week with fellow believers Have you spent more time discussing things that are fleeting? Or are they focusing on that which is eternal? The recent report in Sports Illustrated stated that of the basketball players in the NBA, 60% of those will be bankrupt within five years. They had their dream, right? I mean, they could shoot hoop. They made it to the NBA, paid big bucks. And in five years, they're bankrupt. This world is fleeting. And Jesus said, listen, why should you deny yourself, take up a cross and follow me? Because anything this world has means nothing. And you will forfeit me if you cling to that. That's the problem, right? That he's trying to advise us here. Calvin states, John Calvin, then only do we rightly advance by the discipline of the cross when we learn that this life, judged in itself, is troubled, turbulent, unhappy, in countless ways, and in no respond, clearly happy, that all those things which are judged to be good are uncertain, fleeting, vain, and and on he goes. (laughs) All of this, it'll disappear. And Jesus said, you want to follow after me? Deny yourself. Take up your cross. Because... One, 
whatever you try to save is not going to be there. All the things that you seek in this world will not be there. And finally he says, and it falls f full well with this, he says, if, if you're seeking popularity, if you're seeking public opinion in verse 26, notice what he says, for whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of that person when he comes in glory. We have a world that's so concerned what others think it dictates many lives, our thoughts and our actions. We have an audience of only one, Jesus Christ. That's what matters most, right? And so in ways you see in this short segment in Luke 9, the three great hindrances of following hard after Jesus. Seeking to, to live long and healthy, seeking to be wealthy and independent, or seeking to be popular or famous. And what did Jesus say? Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And then all these things will be added to you. At the end of your notes, and for time, I won't go through them today, but I'd like you to, to, to look through those and ponder those. And, and, and these are some highlights of discipleship in Luke's gospel. But he states that discipleship is based on what Christ has done. He highlights this several times in the narrative. Discipleship cherishes Christ's love for us. It's a total commitment. Think about it. Do you want someone playing on your basketball team that never shows up for practice? Nope. Right? It's a total commitment. Discipleship entails both faith and practice. Talk is cheap. Carrying a cross, it's costly. And discipleship looks to the glory that awaits all Christ followers. In the classic book, The Cost of Discipleship, written by Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who died one year, he was executed by the Nazis one year, German pastor, executed one year before, or one month before the war ended. He makes this great quote. It's the bottom of your notes and there's one typo well highlight. But it says, self-denial is never just a series of isolated acts of mortification or asceticism. It is not suicide for there's an element of self-will even in that. To deny oneself is to beware only of Christ and no more of self. To see only him who goes before and no more the road which is too hard for us. Once more, all that self-denial can say is, he leads the way, keep close to him. This morning you've heard 13 young people say, I am going to be sold out to Christ. Where are you this morning? It's easy to become the frozen chosen. <laughs> to get settled into our faith and, and to forget. And Paul said to the church at Ephesus, you've lost your first love. Or excuse me, Christ did. To the church at Ephesus in, in Revelation chapter 2. And what does he tell them to do? Number one, remember where Christ has brought you and return to the deeds that you once did. That needs to be us. That needs to be, we need to be a group of individuals, if we claim to be Christ followers, who are denying ourselves, we're taking up our cross, and we're following hard after our Savior. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the, the beautiful reminder as displayed in these testimonies this morning. That we need to be sold out to you. 
And Father, it's easy over time to, to grow cold to spiritual things or to kind of go through the motions. For some in this room, it may be simply, you've had it, you're tired of Christianity, you don't think it works. You go through it because that's what mom and dad wants or a spouse wants. Father, we, we need individuals who are on fire for you. May we bend our knee, denying ourselves, taking up our cross, and following hard. Lord, because as Jesus stated, at the end of the day, there is nothing on this globe that will compare to what you have for us now and for all eternity. It's in Jesus' name we pray.